0: Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Business Matters presented by Valley First, the division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capello. I'm the chief strategy officer at Now Media Group. Today, we welcome Scott Scott Marshall to Business Matters. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Scott is a realtor and associate broker at Remax Kelowna. So it's fair to say that we're probably experiencing uh, um, a boom in the real estate market, especially in the Okanagan. And, you know, I think the pandemic has driven people from places like Vancouver and Toronto to the Okanagan like never before. Um, and at the same time we're seeing obviously exponential growth in value or or pricing of homes. I think yeah. I saw some stats year over year was over 30%. So so I want to explore today, you know, how long can the market sustain this growth and you know and the other side is what do you do if, if you're trying to buy something where well, you're a first time home buyer, what are you looking at? So thanks for joining. I know we have a lot to talk about. So let's get started. So of course um Scott, before we jump into sort of the the business side of it. Um, I'm curious. I kind of was doing some research. And I see your the family. You're you're part of a five generations of of the family that lived in uh, called Okanagan home in the area through real estate as well. So real estate's in your blood, right? Yeah, so, of course. Um, do you feel like your career was decided the day you were born, or like I'm curious the path to where you got to today, and sort of getting into the real estate business. Yeah, of course. So, you know, that was one where growing up, you know, dad was a realtor for uh, 25 years. He's actually retiring at the end of the month now. Uh, growing up, I think it was almost a mental out of spite notion of saying, I will not become a realtor. Yeah. Uh, and and like many, you know, upon, uh, you know, I went for my post-secondary education down at UBC in Vancouver and uh, the bachelor's of commerce program, not knowing exactly what I was going to do. And then, you know, kind of in my last year decided I was going to follow uh you know, in those footsteps and get into the real estate business, uh, not exactly knowing what facet. So I ended up getting a pile of different licenses, but uh, ended up on the uh, sales side on things. So there is, you mentioned your dad being in the business previous, was there other other Marshall family members that were in the real estate business as well? Uh, they always did some real estate development. Uh, originally, you know, they were farmers dating back to like the late 1800s, way back when Uh, And then, you know, my dad would have been first-generation realtor, but then, yeah, so I'd be second-generation realtor. That's interesting. So do you you call on your dad for, well, maybe not now, but when you first started, was a lot of, like, advice from... Oh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. he's a, you know, fountain of knowledge. And, you know, (laughs) just from a mentorship standpoint, you know, it set me up for success. I I don't, well, I know I wouldn't be here without his uh, advice on things, 100%. Right, interesting. So um, one thing that did catch my eye was you mentioned sort of the farming background is that when you when you go to your site and say sort of like what you specialize in, there's a real range, right? So you have farms, you have luxury, you have commercial. Is that typical for a realtor or are you sort of a little bit of an anomaly where you kind of, it seems like you're, you, you can kind of fit in wherever, whatever client, whatever the client's looking for? Yeah, I've kind of, and, you know, I think it's both just a, you know, background, well the family roots perspective of you know knowing farming and I was involved in uh that before getting into real estate you know I think it's just from that uh specializing in those more unique properties such as acreages lakeshore luxury uh estate property or you know properties that have uh, a business attached to it so you know like a listing right now it's a property up at Myra Canyon Ranch where there's a stable business a lodge business attached to it and uh, you know, I find those kind of stimulate the brain a little bit more. Yeah, interesting. Is there an area that that you like more than others? Is there like if you're like, hey, if I could just do this all day, there's or or do you kind of like the diversity of of what you do? I like the diversity on things. you know, I find it it keeps things very interesting. Uh, I've naturally gravitated towards uh, these larger parcels of land as, my career has gone forward so you know it's one of those where although I deal with standard residential I found its really began to focus in on these uh you know higher value properties and larger land parcels interesting so um we met I mentioned earlier about the you know what the market is how it's sort of quote-unquote boomed over the the last year or so and so I'm curious if I'm uh, let's pretend I'm in the market I'm looking to buy something where do I start like this I, I find like there's so much going on right now, low interest rates, higher prices. People are saying rentals create like there's so much going on. Like if I'm, a, if I'm, I'm just like, where, where, where do I begin from? A, from yeah. A- I mean, in my biased opinion, first step should be to talk to a realtor. Um, you know, frankly, we always have connections on how to get you set up with bank mortgage broker, et cetera. But you know, in this market, it's completely pointless to go out and start looking at places unless you have at least financing in place. Cause it's a bit of a bloodbath out there still. Um, you know, a lot of listings, you you list them, we say, we'll show it for a week, look at offers after that week, then, you know, all of a sudden you could be competing against, uh, I mean, I've seen as high as 20 offers on a property. Uh, it's slowing down a little bit now as we progress into summer, but, uh, you, you know, you, you have to get pre-qualified and know what you can do before uh, blindly starting the process. Interesting. And In, Are you seeing... A specific product that's selling for lack of a better word more than others like single family luxury condos is it a little bit of like is everything gangbusters or are you seeing one sort of i'll call it product selling more than others uh entry-level homes are selling like uh <clears throat> like crazy right now you know anything with a suite under say 700 there's going to be a huge amount of people looking at that mm-hmm. um you know once you crack over a million dollars although it's still uh Busy. It's just not as busy. Like you know, I've I've seen those properties under eight hundred consistently get over five offers, um, and you know it's one of those where frankly a home six months ago that was worth uh, eight hundred thousand,
1: um, you know,
0: seeing it sell for above a million isn't crazy. You know, example I use is a home I had listed out in Lake Country. We had it listed for just over seven hundred thousand uh, middle of last year. We relisted this year for nine forty nine, and then it sells for a million fifty with no changes. Um, and just like that, you know, that's over 300,000 in essentially uh, tax-free profit yeah. is insane to, you know, to think about. And that's a big percent increase. Well, it's interesting then, and, and I guess this is your opinion, but like, how is how are we supposed to maintain it at this level or can it? Like, well, you mentioned a little bit that there's been a, you're seeing a quote unquote cooling in the market, but, you know, is, is, are you starting to see things kind of cool off a little bit or is it just the time of the year? It, it's cooling down for sure. Um, I feel like there's a lot of blind optimism in real estate where, you know, a lot of professional "Oh, it's going up, up, up. Let's just keep going forward. This is how it right. is. I've always felt I'm a bit more pessimistic on things where, you know, I can tell instead of 10 offers on a property, you know, it's kind of a, on the day of offers, you're hoping you get at least two. So again, that's still a very busy market. It's just not as insane as what we were dealing with before. So you know, I I really think it comes down to, I mean, for a big part, you know, I don't like to use the word, but greed, because, you know, Mm. people see their neighbors selling for 900, they think then if they price at 900, they'll get bid up to 950. Then if that happens, the next door neighbor says, well, if I list for 950, I'll get bid up to a million. But it only works until it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can see that happening now where, you know, some properties are getting listed at insane pricing that isn't justifiable and the market's showing that, you know, the pricing just isn't correct. So that's, you know, that can quickly make the market uh, carry a bit more inventory and make things soften a bit. Fair enough. But you are seeing, you are seeing a little bit of a, a a cooling off right now. Yep, definitely. And you know, the sales show that as well. Um, You know, although we're coming into the busy season in the summer, Sales right. have been kind of steadily decreasing, and again, not like a substantial decline. Right. Steadily going down over the last few months, which again, I'm not surprised. We we're in a basically zero inventory environment where everything was getting sold within two weeks on market, and now, again, it's still crazy. It'll sell within, say, four weeks on market, but it's definitely uh, slowing down a bit. So you know, it's interesting because there's been a few people in our office that have that have bought in the last year, and some people might say, um, you picked the worst time to buy, right? So <laughs> yep. is there ever a best time to buy? <laughs> like, I mean, as much as I like to peer into my crystal ball, um, <laughs> it's often clouded these days. And, you know, it's one of those where, um, you know, we have to reference, let's say Vancouver, where, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've said like, oh, you're buying at the peak. Then a year later, it jumps up 20%. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't sure where the path forward is from here, Um But at the same time, I feel like just given where we're at right now, I I don't think there's a whole lot of room to immediately go up. Like, I I think we're going to soften a bit going into fall and winter. And, you know, I don't think we'll have a catastrophic market decline by any means. But I think it's inevitable that, you know, we can't have 30% increase of pricing year over year and expect that to be a new normal like that's that's never happened before and i don't think that this is an exception to where it can suddenly happen yeah no fair enough and are are you seeing you mentioned sort of anything with a suites or, or you know selling are, are, are more sort of investment buys that you're seeing like people are buying in in rental or, or are they using it to offset a mortgage payment a lot of it's being used as a mortgage helper um you know you add in record low interest rates with people who really want to get into the market um, a really good way to just bump up your uh, your price point by 150,000 is just to have a suite that brings in some income. You know, the banks basically, you know, it's a bit more of a green light as soon as you have a income that shows uh, or as, you know, a suite that shows some good income coming in. Hmm, interesting. But, but that being said, you know, investors are coming in um, and, you know, speaking to your point of Toronto, Vancouver uh, and Alberta a bit more as well, you know, a lot of people have cashed out of uh, the markets there, and they're now coming into the Okanagan with both investment in mind and, you know, relocating here for their principal residences. And are are you? I'm I'm curious. Like, are you know, we saw it in in Vancouver, right, as as people started buying outside of the city and and so forth. Are are you, are you seeing that here? Like, are people? I know Lake Country was always busy. Yep. Are they kind of? Are we kind of growing outside a little bit? Like, yeah. We are. And whenever the market does this, the lines become more blurred. Um, You know, it's one where, where the prices in Lake country used to be a very noticeable step down, um, but now it's definitely becoming more on par with what we've seen in Kelowna. And, you know, funny enough, even if we go into Vernon, like the prices really aren't a whole bunch different than what we're seeing in, let's say Lake country now. Um, Hmm. And, you know, I've seen some properties um, and, you know, this holds a bit more true for let's say farmland, but, you know a lot of a lot of properties and farmland. You know the prices are really going up quick there. Which again, mm-hmm. whenever the market does this, people try and go towards the more affordable options. But then, when everyone follows that same strategy, the affordable options suddenly aren't that affordable. Right. Right. And you know, um, given that you mentioned sort of like, and maybe we're seeing a little bit of a cooling, but you know that sometimes listings are sold within a couple of days or same day or whatever. So. If I'm a buyer, then like, what can I do to make sure that I can act quickly on it? Like, what's some, how, what do you coach your clients to make sure that, you know, we're don't like, oh, that wouldn't be great, but we we missed the opportunity. Like, how do you work with someone like myself or a client to make sure that we're not missing those opportunities then? Yeah, realistically, you have to do as much homework as you can before even writing an offer. Like, you know, if you're walking into a home and saying with a straight face, I'm competing against 10 other people who are all having this exact same conversation you know, you have to do everything you can to get prepped for it. So, right, you know, right. I've seen a lot of pre-offered home inspections. I just had one of those the other day. Um, you know, everyone is calling up their bank saying, do I need a financing subject condition or can I go without a financing subject condition? And, you know, if it's a, let's say a condo, you know, you got to review all the strata docs ahead of time. So the ideal situation outside of pricing is you have a, you know, a clean offer with as little subjects as possible. Otherwise, you know, if you're competing against somebody who chooses that strategy, it's almost hopeless unless you really compensate in price, which not a great thing to do. Yeah, know for sure. And, and we talked a little bit about sort of Toronto, Vancouver, Alberta, is that where you're seeing majority of the buyers or are people uh, buying within the market as well? Like, are you seeing a little bit of both? Seeing a lot of, well, the local movement is always there, but we're definitely seeing, especially as the Vancouver market and, well, Lower Mainland as a whole is doing quite well, we always see the outflow from there into town. Right. Um, and, you know, that's that's for the single family market. It, it, we always have, whenever these other markets begin to heat up, we always see people come to Keloma. Um, And then, you know, you add in COVID into the mix and it's had such an interesting effect on the market because all these people, especially, you know, if their work schedule now is working from home. Right. Why would you live in a small condo in the lower mainland when you can sell there for some insane price, get a full single family home here in the Okanagan and have a, you know, what could be viewed as a much better lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And I think we're seeing and hearing that a lot for sure. So yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned of through COVID. So I, I would, you know, I'm sure like, all realtors, your business has had to adapt the way you run your business over the last, you know, year, year and a half. So yep. virtual showings, whatever it may be. So is there anything that you have implemented over the last year or so that you're like, like, this is, this is going to be part of my everyday business now. Like I, it's, it's great. It's actually added value to the way I work with my clients. Is there anything that, that you can kind of say, you know what, I've changed, my business has changed, but it's changed for the good moving forward now surprisingly, like, you know, outside of some extra things, you know, with marketing, we've really had to ramp up, you know, let's say video marketing. So if somebody's out of town and they can't come here because of a travel restriction, you know, they have to feel comfortable with what they could be potentially offering on site unseen. So, you know, that even if COVID, let's say, becomes slightly less serious or impactful in our lives moving forward, you know, we're still going to keep all the same video marketing. But, you know, surprisingly, it's not had a big effect on you know, a big part of my business because it's always been again some of these more unique properties where, um, you know, let's say on a big chunk of land, if there's a COVID restriction or not, you can still kind of tromp around and, right, uh, you know, it doesn't make a fundamental difference on whether or not you have to wear a mask uh, outside. Right. Yeah, it's interesting then because I was curious on, um, you know, are people buying homes without actually seeing them or you know, and and I'm curious about the like that, that business side of it is our are, you know, with everything digital or people are a lot more educated as well when they're coming into it and, you know, started asking questions, are open houses still working? Like yes. is that, is that, you know, is a is real estate business still that face-to-face style of business or are you still see are you seeing people doing more digitally now and able to buy a home if I'm in Toronto and I can buy a home in Lake Country and not even having to come out here to see it? I think it really depends on what, you know, let's say what each uh, respective realtor focuses on, um, you know, like I, I I see a lot more, let's say site unseen investment condo purchases, because you can look at a floor plan, you can look at a specification sheet and say, that works. Um, right. Meanwhile, let's say on a, um, you know, 150 acre piece of land, you know, there's only so much we can tromp around with a little uh, cell phone and say, this is what the land looks like. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a lot of people have to come out and see it. So You know, I'm finding on, you know, let's say standard strata, you can see those sight unseen offers. Um, Meanwhile, you know, if anything on a more unique property, it'll be, you know, we still see some offers getting thrown around, but it will be subject to them actually coming out and viewing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So really depends on the property type. But um, again, if somebody can't come into town and they want to proceed on a property, they'll toss an offer in and see what unfolds. Interesting. You know, as, as, uh, as I look out the window, I can see sort of downtown Kelowna and, and lots of cranes and high rises and, and there's more developments coming. There's three or four that are going to be, you know, there's lots of product, I guess, coming on the market. Do you, do you feel, again, no one has a crystal ball, yep. you know, and, and we read on how the growth is projected in this area, like exponential Yep. do you feel that's that's going to hold that's true like is there going to be too much product or 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 you'll sell it as fast as you can build it that's a good question i mean like there's a pretty big amount especially if we let's say look at downtown condos like that's a lot of condos yeah. coming up for sale um yeah. you know i i think and again this is yeah. it's subject to change you know if interest rates even come up at couple percent that'll really change the entire way you know the market is operating but you know I I think we can't continue upward especially you know if demand holds steady and if supply massively increases I can't see pricing just holding absolutely stable Uh, you know there'll probably be a bit of a softening but again you know Kelowna I, I can't see a way where we have a sudden decline in pricing just considering where we are and the appeal and stable demand that we have here. Interesting. So if we flip where the different hat as a seller now, so we will talking about a lot about buying, but if, if I'm a seller, what are some things I can do to prepare my home for sale? Like I always, you know, I, I wonder, is there things that you can do? You mentioned, um, you know, if there's a suite, you're getting maybe $150,000 more, like what are the things can you do to make sure you get the most value from selling your home? Not, it's not about being greedy. Just what can you do to make sure it's prepared to sell? the, you know, the somewhat accurate answer is, is the home will sell no matter what. The most important thing you can do is making sure you know where you're going when it sells. Right. Just because, you know, I can tell you right now, like, you know, I know of probably 20 sellers where if they had a place to actually go to, they would list their home today. It's just, you know, in a no or close to zero inventory environment, you know, we're kind of stuck in a holding pattern because nobody knows where to move. Um, But, you know, back to your point of what you can do to prepare, like generally now it's, you know, you don't have to stage your home necessarily or, you know, go crazy with doing a ton of repairs. Um, You know, a lot of it's just presenting a clean and tidy home and, you know, getting enough time on market because the buyers are out there. Um, And if somebody sees, you know, if you have 50 people in the door and uh, in a week's time, odds are you'll have a few offers and, um, you know, a pretty accurate market value placed on paper in front of you so you said it needs to be clean and tidy so it's easier to sell if you don't have kids <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's funny I, i've had some sellers where um you know basically they say okay we're going to live at our parents place for two weeks the kids are going to be gone just sell the place and then we'll move back once sold signs up that's funny that's hilarious <laughs> um it's and, and interesting actually you mentioned sort of you know uh finding out what your house is worth and i'm curious like what's the process like that you work? So you're working with Rob and you're you're gonna list my house and what's the process to actually come up with a list price? I've always wondered that. Like what what are the steps that you take to say, Rob, we need to list this house at X amount? Uh, Single family, relatively straightforward. You know, it's it's looking at active properties, you know, and it's harder in this market just because in a normal market, let's say even six months back, you could say, we're better than this one, worse than this one, we should be somewhere in here just from an active property point of view. And then, you know, looking at the sales. Uh, The tough thing is, is we can't necessarily focus on the sales right now, because they're becoming quickly irrelevant. You know, like I've I've seen properties, you know, where I could say, oh, it's worth 900,000, then all of a sudden, a few sales happen in a three week period. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what, we should bump this up to 949 or a million bucks and, you know, do a good bump up in pricing to account for these new sales. So uh, it's definitely tougher in this market because you have to somewhat price above uh, what a lot of the comparable sales and actives are saying, but, you know, a big part of it is getting the market exposure and the market will determine what that value is for the most part. Fair enough. And then so, of course, you know, for, if we're looking at farmland or a more unique property, or if there's a business attached to it, that'll be a more number crunching situation, um, looking at the acres, usable acres, and what all the features um, of that property have. So that'll take a bit more time. And, you know, there's no straightforward analysis on that. Um, and a lot of it just comes from experience within that space. Fair enough. Yeah. So you, you mentioned this about, uh, I think that's you suggest someone obviously call a realtor if you're in the market. So I don't know if you get asked this, but um, why should you hire a realtor in this market? You know, can I just sell my home myself? Like, is I'm sure you, you might hear that. So, yep. what's the flip side of saying here's why you should have a realtor? Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's a situation where, and you know, I look at my job as you know, of course, the easy part of this market is to sell the home. The hard part is to play the cards correctly in order to maximize the value. You know, like I've had, I was dealing with a seller out in Lake Country the other day where, you know, we wanted to list their, uh, well, I should say he wanted to list his place for 849. And he said, oh, I have somebody who wants to buy it for 849 and I, you know, my suggestion is don't take that. We can probably get more if we actually play our cards correctly. So, you know, we end up getting our week of market exposure offer comes in at 849. And so does another offer at 849. You know, it's again, playing the cards of how can we get that value up? So long story short, the bidding against those two parties uh, ended up resulting at an offer of 955, which, you know, essentially, and again, could the owner have facilitated that on their own possibly, but uh, you know, having a good realtor who understands the, negotiation process, it's huge. And frankly, I, I, I find my my value and a lot of realtors' value in this market, you know, we our job is to maximize value because anyone can undersell their home and get an instantaneous offer. The tough part is is to actually, you know, sell it for the highest possible price. Interesting, yeah, interesting. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I think people get caught up in, like you said earlier, like, well, you know, what you put on the market sells, but like you said, you're maybe not maximizing what you're in. And, and then I'm sure there's a lot more to it as well. Like there's, Of course. There's, yeah. There's, And, and, and then, you know, the other part is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, the other part is let's say if you're selling a, you know, a hundred plus acre farm, you know, the question is, is do you have the marketing or connections within that space to successfully get the right person in there? Um, you know, like I've seen it time and time again where somebody, you know, puts a sign in their yard saying, hey, I want to sell my farm for 3 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens because somebody has to drive by to see that. Then, you know, we list it for three and a half and end up selling for 3.3 because the right person from out of town sees it. You know, it's one of those things where, um, again, really dependent on the property type. But, uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of dollars on marketing for a reason. Yeah, I always say. I've heard this and I didn't come up with this, that, you know, when you're selling something, it's worth whatever someone would pay for. It. Correct. <laughs> right. So if it's the right fit, you might pay a little bit extra for it because it's what you want. Right. Yeah, so, but it, you know, it's especially in this market, uh, the property out in Lake country was for sale last year for 4 million. We listed for 5 million, 250 this year, first day, somebody comes in from out of town who sees the marketing and, you know, pays 5 million. That's just the kind of market where, uh, it is and, you know, getting it in front of, as you said, the right people who are willing to pay what they think it's worth. Interesting. Um, so I have a couple more questions I want to ask before we do. Um, I'm going to, uh, we're, we're going to get to know you a little bit, a little bit more who Scott mm-hmm. is. So um, I just have a few questions that we're going to go through is have some fun with it. So uh, first one is what was your very first job? So out of <laughs> whatever it may be, delivering the paper, I don't know, whatever, what was your very oh. first job? Uh, it would have been at the, I worked at a cherry orchard. Um, I grew up out in Lake Country, lived right across from a farm. Um, so yeah, my job was to load up uh, cherry bins onto a tractor and do that, you know, essentially, uh, well, in the farming business, it's basically whenever the, you know, fruit is ready to be picked, yeah. you work. So, uh, you know, to, two and a half months straight 10 hours a day just loading up cherry buckets and putting them onto tractors so you know that was a good uh good initial exposure into the farming <laughs> business you know I always have a internal chuckle of saying you know from loading these cherries on to actually selling the land you know what, what it is oh a yeah, long yeah. Time later it's you know kind of a funny process so yeah and you know and that resulted in you know I stayed at that job for five years uh you know that turned into a management position there which was great you know being exposed to that side of the farming business was really helpful um, with what I do now yeah I'm I'm actually I'm always fascinated about that side of the business and I, I I know some people sort of yeah sort of the cherry business and and it just blows my mind sort of on the back end like the the the, the packing and where they're being shipped and like I, I just find that fascinating how much goes into that like it's crazy so well yeah I was a manager at a packing house and you know it's crazy to see the physical what you know if we process 4,000 tons of cherries in a year it's crazy to see what that actually looks like when you have 20 lines running with cherries all at once 40 people sorting everyone filling up the boxes then you know from there straight onto the boat uh to get sent over to china in a refrigerated boat like it, it the process is insane it is that's crazy um if if you get a day off say that after this call you're gonna go and relax where do we find you what are you doing when you have some free time away from work <laughs> uh Tough to find free time right now in this market, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, any free time in the summer, it's nor- normally going to be some kind of volleyball. Uh, that's always been my main sport. Uh, in the winter, it'll be up at big white skiing all the time. Easy. Right. So, like beach volleyball or are you? Are you- yeah, I do beach volleyball, grass volleyball, indoor. It's just, uh, yeah, used to play it relatively competitively. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's always fun to be involved with that still. Yeah. Oh, you, you obviously have a passion for what you do, but what's your, like, what do you just love? Like, what's the one thing that you're like, I mean, this is why I love what I do. But what What's your favorite thing about your, your, your current role? Yep. I mean, big part of it is, I mean, the most stereotypical answer ever of wanting to help people, but <laughs> you know, you know, more specifically in what I specialize in, it's taking something that's not an easy product to sell and finding a way to make a sale happen. You know, it's, you know, I, I see some very, very strange properties where, um, you know, we go into it knowing it's not going to be an easy sale, but then finding a way to make it work. So these people, especially in a market like this, where, you know, they've invested their entire lives often into a specific property and then finding a way so that, uh, they can get out of that property with again, as many dollars as possible in their pocket. So they can move on to that next stage in life. You know, I find that very, very, uh, very fulfilling yeah yeah so if you if you had the opportunity to grab a cup of coffee with a famous person could be dead or alive who would it be someone come to mind who would you love to have a a coffee with and just pick their brain oh that's a good question um I mean, you always see some of these big brokers, real estate brokers down in the States and everything, you know, always like to pick their, yeah, you know, yeah. pick one of their brains, that would be great. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I'm very competitive and being able to talk to some of the greatest competitors. Like, for example, go back in time or even now, you know, sitting down with somebody like Michael Jordan, yeah. again, big, big sports fan, that would be an incredible experience. Yeah, that would be neat, actually. I'm a sports guy too, so that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, if we asked your friends or family to, describe what they sort of they could describe you in one word what do you think they would say oh that's a good one uh I mean depends on who you ask but uh uh you know most people it'd, it'd be some word relating to driven you know I'm very very committed uh to my job and um you know my clients realize that as well and at this stage in my life you know I'm able to put a lot of attention into what I do and um and again I'm very happy with with doing that right now it's very Uh, Very fulfilling still. Awesome. Um, When we were able to travel, what's one of your favorite places you ever visited? Is there a place where you're like, yeah, like, I'd love to go back there? Uh, Iceland, that's easy. Uh, Families from Iceland, that's where they were originally from when they settled here in the late 1800s. And, you know, it's great because they uh, they have a database. You can track uh, every uh, relative dating back like 10 generations. So, you know, going there, I could basically go on Facebook, type in a bunch of people who I know are related to me, meet with, you know, a bunch of uh, distant relatives and, you know, chat about um, what they do. And they've since visited here. And, uh, and again, it, like the the beauty there and the landscape is incredible. So, you know, easily I'd go back to Iceland many times over. Interesting. Uh, interesting. That's great. Is there a, a, a place you haven't visited that, that you'd love to get to? Is it like a bucket list of a, of a place you'd like to get to? That's a good question. You know, probably Northern Europe, and again, it's probably an extension of, again, having more family out there, but I've always been very interested in kind of the family roots and knowing how I've gotten here just from a family standpoint. So going there, exploring the roots a bit more and kind of seeing, uh, again, like kind of how the family was way back when. Yeah. Interesting. And last question is if you're, if it's Friday and you need, you want to go out for dinner or you want to order food, what's your go-to place in the market? What's your, is there a local restaurant that you just absolutely love? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, fancy restaurant, I'd probably go with Cedar Creek. They have some great, great dishes up there. You know, that's a premium spot up there that I find myself going to whenever I need a outstanding meal. Yeah, yeah, that place. Actually, went there for the first time a couple weeks ago, and that the view is spectacular from there. Oh, it's incredible up there. Yeah, it's incredible. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering those questions. I have a couple more for a wrap up. Is yeah, of course. Look, looking into a crystal ball, uh, you're looking out 12, 18 months. In your opinion, what are we going to see in the market? Like, what, what, what's, 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 what, are, what's the future going to bring for us in the real estate market over the next year, a year and a half? I think, you know, I think as we get into fall and winter, things are going to soften a little bit. Um, I, I think prices are going to stay pretty stable. Maybe, you know, maybe go down the slightest bit just after this incredible run-up that we've had. Um, going a full year, you know, I, I really think it depends on uh, how greedy people get. You know, if everyone keeps pricing above the market, there's going to be a build-up in inventory and that's really going to soften things. And so, you know, I I think it'll be a general softening and yeah, I I really don't see a big run up in pricing in the short term after what we've just had. So lots of questions I'm sure that people might have. I I find real estate's an intriguing thing that, that, you know, you hear lots of things and you see a lot of things you get, there's numbers thrown out percentage increase. Great. So if people just have other questions, what's the best way for them to, to get a hold of you, uh, even if they just want to, Hey, just, this is what we're thinking. What do you think sort of thing? So what's the best way for someone to connect with you and, and get some of those questions answered? Oh yeah. I always tell people like if they ever want to have a chat on, on the market, just uh, you know, they can give me a call directly. Um, Or likewise, go to my website um, and and they can always take a look and kind of see what I'm about. Um, And I, you know, always have market stats, everything like that uh, on the blog on my website. So there's a lot of information available there if anyone uh, ever needs to see what's going on in the market. But easiest way is just to give me a ring and we can have a chat about things. Love it. That's awesome. Well, Scott, thank you for taking the time today to to talk about the, yeah, I know it's an interesting, like it's a real estate that the, I'm sure a lot, everyone's seeing it and everyone's yeah. hearing it. So thank you for at least sharing some of that knowledge. And and I love hearing the journey as well on the, why you, you're doing what you're doing. So thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, of course. I appreciate the invite and uh, yeah, it's great. Awesome. Um, everybody else have a great rest of your day and thank you for tuning into business matters. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Bye. Now. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.